Welcome to a tech moment on Cannabis Tech. I'm your host, Christina Etter. In this podcast, we take just a few minutes to talk about the exciting science and technology that's happening in and around the cannabis and hemp industries. Now, cannabis technologies have been evolving rapidly since the industry really got its first green light. Today, technology helps multiple segments of the cannabis industry to be more efficient from cultivation to consumer tech. Now, as the industry is evolving, tech-savvy entrepreneurs are finding new ways to introduce technology to enhance their outputs. Finding this partnership between nature and technology was second nature for my guest today. Graham Farrar, President and Chief Cannabis Officer of the Glasshouse Group, one of the most rapidly growing privately held cannabis and hemp facilities in the United States, and the founder of Glasshouse Farms, the largest greenhouse operation in the United States. He was a part of the original team at software.com and one of the first employees at Sonos, where he was involved with product design, development, sales, and customer support. Like a true techie, Graham uses a unique perspective of inputs and outputs to create one of the largest earth-friendly cannabis and hemp businesses in the nation. With cutting edge water reclamation systems and other industry leading technologies, his sun-grown and ocean-grown operation is viewed as a model for technology innovation, sustainability, and financial success within the cannabis space. Welcome to the show, Graham. Awesome. Thanks a lot for having me. Uh, really happy to be here, Christina. Well, I appreciate you taking the time and, and, and going through this podcast with us. I know that you're going to have some fascinating stuff for us to, to see and to look at. So let's start first with a little bit of perspective, though. So tell me a little bit about your background. We talked a little bit about your, you know, your start there with software.com. But talk to me about how you feel that your tech background really kind of plays into your role now in the cannabis industry. Yeah, so, um, you know, I might be a, a bit unique in that I'm a, a tech geek by uh, experience and training, but a cannabis lover uh, by nature. And um, so I started my career in, you know, all the way back to software.com, which was a company that we started in the middle of the tech boom. If you think back to the beginning when um, people were first getting email addresses and getting on the internet, or at least people outside of universities and government agencies where we made a, a product, which was the digital post office. So basically it's where your email lived until you dialed up in the old days with your modem and picked it up. Um, it was a really fun company, very, uh, very kind of cutting edge and new at the time. We took that public in 99, which was a uh, fantastic time to be taking a, a, a dot com com company public um, and left to did a couple years on a sailboat um, and relaxed after a, a big uh, grind and then came back and was lucky enough to be one of the original six people at Sonos, which uh, even now, 15 years later, I think is the best product in the category of wireless home audio. So basically it's an iPod for your house. Um, and again, we started that at a time that was very different. It was, again, it was, it was uh, looking over the horizon. It was not today. There was no Spotify. There was no Apple music. There was barely even MP3s at the time, uh, yet we were dis designing distributed Wi-Fi mesh home audio receiver, uh, which also turned out very well. And now just, you know, again, another public company uh, just had a great quarter too. people really uh, even even now continue to love it. Um, and all through that, I was a, a big lover of cannabis. I think cannabis makes the world a better place. I think it's good for society. I enjoy it as a consumer. I think it has tremendous medical potential. And I always believed that we would uh, see what's happening now, right, which is 
as uh, Martin Luther King Jr. says, the moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends towards justice. And the idea that the default state of a plant is that it should be illegal is crazy. And, and you know, cannabis has only been illegal for 1% of the time that we've uh, been using it as people. Uh, and finally, we're putting an end to that. And so, you know, the exciting thing for me and the, the serendipitous opportunity is the chance to bring my tech background to uh, high-end, large-scale uh, cannabis cultivation um, and putting those things together for me, at least, is basically a dream come true. Right. You know, I, I have to agree with you completely there. For me, you know, leaving the technology scene and, and coming to cannabis, I still get to do the things that I loved in technology and I still get to work with, um, you know, the, the different kinds of innovations and things that, that I was seeing when I worked in the corporate world. But here I actually get a little bit of a warm fuzzy because I feel like the work that we're doing is is going towards the betterment of society. It's going towards changing how things have been done in the past and, you know, releasing some of those stigmas and stereotypes about cannabis consumers. And like you said, helping how many hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people with with cannabis um, therapies and cannabis medications. I think it's just... um, a really nice way for people that have spent a long time in technology, maybe promoting something for a company making money, but now in cannabis, we can go promote and actually feel good about the things that we're promoting. So it's, it's really kind of fun. I think coming from the tech world and coming into cannabis and blending those things together. Yeah. I mean, the opportunity to, to help uh, build a new industry, right. I certainly, we didn't create it. We owe a lot of debt of gratitude to the, uh, to the folks who have kind of blazed the trail for the last in California, at least 24, five years now, I think we would be uh, on medical cannabis. Um, but to, to, to expand that industry, let's say, and do it, building a business, hiring people, making money, and helping society at the same time as you know, usually you don't get to put all of those things together. So it is it is really lucky. Um, and there is so much benefit from cannabis. In, in basically every direction you look from our environment to our society to ending the war on drugs, which was never really a war on drugs anyway, it was a war on people. And so, you know, bringing that to a close and then, you know, the healing power of cannabis. I, I'm really lucky. I sit in a spot where I get to hear a lot of these stories and it is, uh, it's amazing when you hear about, you know, a kid with epilepsy who uses a CBD tincture to stop it or slow down the seizures or someone with Parkinson's or PTSD, or even just somebody who enjoys a, uh, joint on a Friday night instead of uh, a bunch of alcohol and feels better the next day. I mean, it's, it is really uh, an incredible spot to be in. Uh, very lucky to be a part of it. Most definitely. So now as we're moving along in this industry and we are combining things like technology and agriculture and, and recreational use along with medical use, there's, a, there's another combination that I, that I brought you onto the show for today. <laughs> and that's the combination of technology and mother nature. Now, obviously we know mother nature is perfect in her own right, but she's a little unpredictable. So there has to be um, some give and take there and there has to be some ways to supplement mother nature when you need to. So do you wanna talk about some of the technology solutions that you're using in your facility to kind of help bring out that best of mother nature and avoid the worst of her? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I think it's maybe worthwhile taking a step back um, into kind of like some of the, the philosophical approaches that we use to this. Um, so, we, you know, we see mother nature as our partner um, and uh, she gives us the foundation and in this industry, you know, everything comes back to the plant, right? So um, not, none of the other stuff happens if it's not for cannabis. Cannabis is amazing. Uh, it, it, you know, the way that it works with our bodies, we've got an endocannabinoid system 
Our bodies make endogenous cannabinoids, some of our favorite, you know, chemicals, uh, serotonins and, and all those kinds of things. Um, and then cannabis makes phytocannabinoids, which is a plant that makes cannabinoids. And we have a whole bunch of locks in our body and cannabis uh, possesses a bunch of the keys. Um, we're still figuring out how a lot of those things work and the mechanisms, but we know a bunch of them and how helpful it can be. Um, and so, you know, you got to have respect uh, for Mother Nature because, again, nothing, none of this would happen uh, without the plant that, that comes from her. Um, so as our partner, you know, I, I'm personally a systems thinker, and this is probably my tech background, right? But I think about um, how you get the various pieces to fit together uh, to get the result that you want. And at Glasshouse, we kind of operate off the, you know, the three legs of our stool are quality, consistency, and efficiency, right? So first, you got to do it well. Then you got to do it well all the time. And then you got to figure out how to do it well all the time efficiently. And efficiency doesn't mean um, not caring. What it really means is it means getting to the ideal result that you want as uh, directly as possible. And, and why that is awesome um, for us and our consumers is it means that we can bring a really high quality cannabis uh, at an amazing price and do it on a scale that we can service a market that's, you know, the size of, of a country of California, right? I mean, if you look at California, it is the most discerning and it's also the largest consumer base for cannabis. It's the fifth largest economy in the world. It's about 25, maybe even more than 25% of the total U.S. cannabis market. And it's got some of the most experienced consumers out there. So they don't have a lot of tolerance for sub, sub quality uh, products. So, you know, I think about the systems and how you put those things together and, you know, any business, uh, always has one biological system in it, and that's the people. Um, and uh, they are no less important here. But this business happens to be, or any agricultural business happens to have two biological systems. So we have the people, and then we have the plants. But if you think about a plant, you can almost think about it as a computer program, right? From the sense that if you know what you want to get out of it, and you can figure out the inputs to give it to get that result, and then you can do that consistently, you can, you can achieve your goal over and over on a reliable basis, right? So you don't get to know what the code of the, of the plant is, you have to deduce it. But once you get to the point of saying, okay, if I give it this climate, this water, this nutrients, this light, it's gonna produce this result. And in the genetics, right? Every, every different strain is a slightly different uh, program in there that you're trying to figure out. But once you can figure out what, what you want out of the plant and what you need to give it to get that, then you try and do that uh, as efficiently as possible. So, you know, for us, an example might be um, well, like irrigation, let's, let's use that, right? So we, we have a lot of love for this plant. Uh, I've loved the plant for, you know, 25 years. Uh, in the old days, I uh, would hand water my plants on a schedule, you know, schedule and try to remember it and, and, and things like that. And I don't, we don't want to lose any of that love. We don't want to dilute it. We want to amplify it, right? And so, uh, again, thinking back to the old days, I'd water my plants when I could. If I was gone on a trip, that means someone had to do it or it didn't get done. In Glasshouse world, uh, the way that we do that is we get a group of really smart people together. We get some cannabis experts, some greenhouse experts, some agronomists. We figure out a nutrition program that is ideal for each strain at each season and each stage in its life cycle. And then we can program that into the computer. And the computer, again, it doesn't dilute it. It amplifies it. It allows us to do just what we want to do every single time, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, and produce a better, more consistent result and do it more efficiently. And you know, again, to go on that, there's some really cool things that we can do. Uh, for example, with our irrigation system, we have it tied to a light meter. So we figure out what the plant needs. And then if it's a cloudy day, 
we give it a little less irrigation and nutrients because it's going to photosynthesize less. And if it's a really sunny day, we give it a little bit more because if you feed it, you know, that extra amount, it can put it to work because the light is there. And, and that's really the goal, right? Which is uh, precision agriculture. If you, if you give it more than it needs, you're wasting something. And if you give it less than it needs, you're losing something. And so our goal is to stay right down the, you know, the, the middle of not too much, not leaving anything on the table. Uh, and that's that quality, consistency, efficiency model that we work on. So some really fun things that we can do. And we have some amazing tools and really smart people on the team that uh, I think allow us to do it, uh, you know, as good or better than anyone else out there today. You know, Graham, I absolutely love that description that you use of inputs and outputs and how it kind of relates to technology. And obviously, we know that with the right inputs, you're going to have a great cannabis grow. And if you don't have the right inputs, your cannabis grow might not be all that great. And it was it was really great to hear your perspective on that. And, and then look at that, too, from that partnership that you kind of talked about uh, in Mother Nature and the cannabis grow and blending technology and Mother Nature together to really produce the best crop that you can. Now, one of the things that I wanted to kind of touch base on, though, is one of the, you, you talked about what the differences were between when you were growing, you know, maybe six or 12 plants of your own versus growing a commercial cannabis operation. And a lot of times I think the, the concept there gets lost in translation, but we know that maintaining a perfect environment for cannabis is critical in the commercial operations. Mm-hmm. And often though, what has to go into cannabis cultivation isn't exactly as environmentally friendly outside of the operation. So what kinds of technology are you looking at or have you employed to help improve your sustainability and, and use less resources so your cannabis grows a little more environmentally friendly as well? Yeah, uh, great question. So I, I think, you know, I, I believe and we're certainly striving to have one of the most environmentally friendly um, agricultural operations and, you know, cannabis, uh, is, is obviously a part of, of, uh, of agriculture out there. And I, I think, um, that it can, you know, cannabis has a lot to learn from general agriculture. And I also think that it has a lot, uh, to teach, um, general agriculture. It also is currently in the place, uh, which is, is kind of rare for ag that it, you know, it actually has some margins, right? We, we are focused on being, uh, uh growing more versus growing the same with less sometimes. Um, and, you know, I think there's a, an evolutionary or, a, you know, kind of maturity process that we'll go through and it will, it will happen to some degree with cannabis too. But right now we're in this world where we're, we're blazing a trail and figuring out how cannabis works and how we can get the most out of the plant and then do that as efficiently as possible. So, you know, things like that we recapture all of our, um, or they call it overdrain. So when you irrigate, irrigate a cannabis plant, anything the plant doesn't suck up on the, on the water and fertilizer uh, drains out the bottom, basically um, called overdrain. Uh, you know, oftentimes in agriculture that just soaks it in the ground, the water's wasted, maybe even the fertilizer, the nitrogen, uh, you know, has potential to contaminate things. Um, and in our operation, we capture all of that overdrain and then we recycle it and we sterilize it and we reuse it um, such that we're not wasting any water. Uh, we're not wasting fertilizer. Um, and I, I like to think about it as what we call the triple bottom line. The triple bottom line is it's good for the planet. 
it's good for the business and our employees and it's good for our consumers. And so something like uh, recycling, you know, capturing, recycling the water is good for the planet because we're not wasting water. It's good for the planet because we're not putting fertilizer back into the, into the groundwater tables. It's good for our business because water and fertilizer are valuable uh, commodities and affect, you know, the, profit margins and with the charge, the cost that we need to charge. And it's great for the consumer because a, they know that they're supporting something's good. And also because it's more efficient, it allows us to, to deliver a better product for a lower price. Right? So there's kind of two, two ways to bring uh, costs down. Right? One is a substandard product. The other is a product that's created more efficiently. Right? So if we're not throwing away fertilizer, we can run just as good a business and have just as good a cannabis and sell it for less money than someone who is throwing something away. And so uh, when we can satisfy that triple bottom line, uh, it makes us happy because we know that everybody that we care about in the chain, our business, our employees, our environment, and our consumers are all, all winning. So, um, you know, really the entire precision agricultural approach we use is, is a eco-friendly and sustainable approach. If you do not waste things, if you get as much from the inputs that you give, you almost are by definition creating the most sustainable and, and eco-friendly um, you know, result out there. Um, you know, another example, we basically, we're essentially a pesticide free farm. We don't use chemicals. Uh, we don't, you know, there's kind of, we use bugs basically. So again, we partner with mother nature and then we kind of tilt the odds in our favor, similar to the greenhouse where we take the climate in beautiful Santa Barbara. And then we use the greenhouse to polish it just enough to make it really perfect with uh, integrated pest management or IPM. You know, there's a, we use a spider mite as an example. Spider mites like to eat cannabis plants. It'll kill your plant. Persimilis or Californicus or Swirsky bugs like to eat spider mites. So rather than using toxic chemicals and nerve agents, which pesticides oftentimes are, and spraying it down and our employees have to apply it and the community is, you know, experiencing, you know, it's going out into the environment. We take a Californicus, which likes to eat spider mites, and we spread those all over the greenhouse. So, um, that way we just take the natural ecosystem that mother nature would have, but we tilt it in our favor with really high populations, the good bugs that like to eat the bad bugs. And so we achieve the same result again with a triple bottom line of it's better for the environment. It's better for our employees. It's better for our business. It's better for the consumer. It's also helpful too, because uh, cannabis regulations are really strict and the best way to pass those tests is not to use the things they're testing for. Exactly. And, you know, for me, at least as a, as a cannabis consumer, it's, it's refreshing for me to hear that companies are not just looking for the cheapest, fastest way to turn a dollar. You're looking for sustainable quality ways to continue to bring a quality product to the cannabis market. And, and for me as a consumer, that's reassuring. It helps me to trust the products that I'm buying and know that the legal market is, is really helping to improve products and to make things better. And that there's companies out there like yours that are saying, hey, we want quality over quantity and, and making that effort to make their mm-hmm. operations better, more efficient, easier on the environment. Environment. I just think as, as a consumer that's, that's concerned about climate change and concerned about our environment, I think that most cannabis consumers are going to be looking for companies like yours that are thinking the whole operation through rather than just thinking about their bottom line. So that triple bottom line is a really neat. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I, I think, yeah, I think that's a great perspective. And, you know, there's plenty of things with the legal um, you know, the legalization of cannabis that we still need to improve, you know, over-regulation, over-taxation. But one of the things that is really great is the fact that consumers can know that they have a clean, tested product 
Um, and so that health and safety side of things is something we certainly don't want to want to give up on. And uh, and so again, if and you know, going back to what I mentioned earlier, which is cannabis has a lot to learn from ag, but it can also teach and help ag too, right? So us buying thirty thousand dollars a month uh, of bugs makes the guys, the insectarias, they call them, who grow the bugs, able to expand their operations. With expanded scale, the price comes down. And then other agriculture, which might not have otherwise been able to afford an IPM approach, now has a lower cost. And you know they're 10 times, 100 times bigger than cannabis. So if we can help enable and get that kind of virtuous cycle going, you know, it's a win-win for everybody, right? And I would love, using IPM is not that uncommon in Europe. It's pretty unheard of here um, uh, so to be able to help kind of initiate that and bring that uh, to the general ag is, is something that I think is, you know, we feel proud uh, of and, and want to keep doing more and more of that. You know, I can't agree more. I think it's really fun, at least from my perspective. I used to work on agricultural technology, too, before I came to the cannabis industry. And it's really fun for me, at least, to be able to see the different technologies and things that I, I was working on a decade ago actually being put into place and, and used on a, in a commercial cannabis facility and, and being put to work, you know? So it's really interesting, I think, for me to see that technology perspective. Now, one of the things that I did want to cover with you today, though, is, and, and this is a question that we kind of hear a lot, and it goes back to my comment that moving from a personal grow to a commercial grow, there's, there's some things there that kind of get lost in translation, but what are the major challenges that you've faced trying to maintain this type of facility, one that's efficient and, and concerned more about quality than, than just that bottom profit dollar? Yeah. So, I mean, um, uh, cannabis is, uh, I'm going to say one of the hardest, uh, agricultural crops out there. Right. I mean, one of the, one of the things that I'm good at, uh, I guess, is that I've got a lot of experience doing things that people don't have any experience doing. Um, and you know, larger scale, you know, when we say large scale, it's kind of funny, right? I mean, cannabis is tiny in the agricultural sense, right? We say large scale cannabis because it happens to be the biggest cannabis that anyone's seen to date, but you know, no other agricultural crop speaks in square foot, right? So when we say we have half a million square feet of, of cannabis greenhouses, normal ag would call that 13 acres and you wouldn't say, have much to say about it, right? I mean, you know, big greenhouses are 130 acres or even bigger than that, right? So 13 acres is really not tiny, but for cannabis, it, it, it's, it's, it's bigger. Um, it, it's the biggest that people have done really. And so, um, you know, cannabis has all the agricultural challenges when, and being a farmer is hard and all of the farmers out there deserve our respect and appreciation because, you know, it's one of the few groups of people who actually makes something new on this planet. If you think about it, Almost everybody else is just transforming things that already exist, right? Farming is a unique thing is that it take, literally takes energy in the form of photons that come out of outer space from the sun and create something new on our planet, right? And that is a, it's a hard thing to do. Um, and it's special because it, it fuels a lot of other processes that, that happen again, you know, in that kind of systems model, right? Um, and so that you have all of that, right? Plants don't care if it's Christmas. Uh, they don't care if it's a pandemic. They will die any day of the week on you. So it's a 24-hour, you know, seven-day-a-week 365 day a year job. And then you throw cannabis on it, right? And, um, and A, that means that there's no necessarily rule book on how to do things. You know, if we were growing corn and we said, hey, we're in a seven day climate region, we'd like to plant in March, they'd say, well, 
here's the seed that you use to do that. And everybody knows that and they figure it out. And by the way, we can sell you a million seeds and those million seeds will grow a million identical plants. Cannabis doesn't, no one knows that, right? We can't, we don't have seeds. We don't, they have called the, you know, homozygous or true breeding seeds doesn't even exist yet in cannabis, right? So everything's coming from clones and things like that. So you're trying to figure that out as well. And then you have what is, I'm sure the most regulated crop on the planet, right? I mean, testing for microbials and mycotoxins and heavy metals and 66 different pesticides down to the parts per billion and licensing fees. And uh, every single plant is tagged and reported to the state, right? So then you have to take all these things. And it's kind of like flying an airplane. Flying an airplane is not that hard. Communicating on the radio is not that hard. Uh, navigating is not that hard. But if you have to fly the airplane, navigate and communicate on the radio all at the same time, it gets to be a lot. And so uh, cannabis is you got to be a farmer. You got to figure out a new crop. You got to navigate regulations and you got to figure out how to run a business at the same time. So putting those things together and not dropping any of those balls is probably the, the hardest uh, you know, thing about cannabis is it's just so much that's so new uh, and so onerous uh, that it's a lot to do at the same time. Right. Right. There's no doubt the cannabis industry has got to be one of the most complex industries that's out there. Like you said, when you just factor in all of the different variables, different things that you have to work with, the different things that can go wrong with the crop, and then the things that can go wrong with compliance, the things that can go wrong with regulation. There, there's just a million and one ways that um, the cannabis, especially commercial cannabis operations can go wrong. And so it's, uh, it's definitely, it's got to be a challenge. And then to factor in trying to maintain, um, you know, environmentally friendly processes and, and resource, you know, save on your resources and, and sign up for, you know, incentives and rebates through your energy and utility companies and all of these things that go along with it. It's just um, a very, very complex industry. So with it being so incredibly complex and then making it even more complex using all of these different types of systems to improve your processes, what are the benefits? Yeah, well, I think, I mean, I think cannabis is a benefit. Um, I think, uh, you know, the, the opportunity or the challenge is also the opportunity, right? Um, if, uh, if everything I'd said was figured out, this would belong to Cargill or Monsanto or some other, you know, large, you know, agro uh, kind of company, right? We wouldn't be here, right? Others, if I tried to go into tomatoes, I'm sure I'd get my ass kicked, right? Those, those guys uh, grow a tomato for a dollar and they're happy if they can sell it for a dollar and five cents. Like that's an entirely different set of challenges. And so the fact that no one knows, the fact that we're still, you know, ambiguous, let's call it legally, legal in California, but illegal on the federal level is exactly what creates the opportunity and the upside for us and others like us in this industry to, 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 to put this together. Right. And um, so I think there's outsized returns. If you get it right. Um, uh, there's the ability to, you know, the opportunity to build a new industry and change uh, the course of our society to some degree, the opportunity to build brands, there's opportunity to help people. There's an opportunity to give people alternatives to, to alcohol. And, you know, especially, you know, these days, with the, you know, the, the, through the pandemic, right. We saw all cannabis was deemed essential by the state of California. Right. So from illegal to essential and not a very long time uh, is a pretty awesome uh, spot to make. And the reason it was deemed essential is because people consider it medicine and, you know, if we saw a lot of people who would come in who weren't the fr fun on a Friday night crowd, uh, they were the tincture on Tuesday crowd, right? They were using cannabis, not for a party, but because their kids came home in March for spring break and they haven't left, or they stared at the, 
you know, case count ticker on the news for too long and they couldn't sleep and cannabis was providing them with healthy relief. And that's like, you know, if you can take the pharma out and put the farm in, uh, even for a portion of what we're doing, I think we're making tremendous progress. And again, to be able to grow a profitable, good business uh, and do that at the same time is amazing. I mean, you know, we, we hired 60, 70 people through the pandemic. We didn't lay anybody off, right? That's a, that's a bright spot against a pretty bleak economic background. We were generating 22 million a year, not personally, but the industry for Santa Barbara County when they're trying to figure out how to pay the firefighters and keep the libraries open because all of their tourism revenue is gone, right? Um, so there's, you know, there are, our employees are paying their rent and uh, keeping people, you know, apartments from getting foreclosed on and buying groceries and, you know, all this important stuff. Uh, and if we didn't, you know, if we didn't have a legal cannabis industry, this wouldn't be here. So I think, you know, the benefits are everywhere you turn, basically, in my opinion. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I especially think after this pandemic and, and obviously after the election this year with five different states, uh, you know, the, the voters voting in cannabis legalization on the ballots. I think that's just testament to the fact that people are starting to recognize the benefits of the cannabis industry, not necessarily, you know, just from the legalization standpoint, but post pandemic, when we're looking for ways to improve the economy or to provide jobs or to do the things that are going to need to be done to rebuild things after the pandemic is over. I think looking at the cannabis industry to me just seems like a no brainer. There's just so many opportunities and, and not even in, in, facilities like yours, operations, you know, where you're actually plant touching, but within the ancillary industries, the, the equipment industries, all of these different things that are all coming together to help um, build a new industry that that's going to be able to really impact our economy as a nation. And once I think federal legalization goes through, I think it's just going to be really interesting um, post pandemic to see what happens from here on out. And, and see where cannabis goes. Cause I, I really believe that, that we have some big opportunities yet that haven't been recognized through, through this industry. So definitely gonna be interesting. Now on that same topic or a similar topic, looking into the future, what's in the future for Glasshouse Group? What do you have going on? And, and do you have any new tech upgrades that you're looking at or you're considering for your operation? Yeah, so um, a lots a lots in the works for us. Um, I think uh, more expansion. We really are happy with the way that our glasshouse farms and field brands are doing. Uh, so more cultivation, uh, increasing our, our you know CPG and brand penetration throughout the state. Uh, that means more more footprint for cultivation. Cultivation also means more productive and more efficient cultivation. So uh, we're expanding both in footprint uh, as well as in output. Uh, currently doing some interesting tests with um, highly efficient supplemental lighting that would uh, allow us to use what we have. And then particularly in the winter months, since again, we partner with mother nature, which means we are part of the seasons. Uh, you know, we take the view that we're, we are part of nature, not on top of it. Uh, and so there are, you know, there are ways that we can add and bring back, you know, the summer sun uh, through the winter months and things like that so that we can again, leverage and make, uh, you know, our output as efficient and, uh, and, 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 and large as possible. Um, I think, you know, we're in continuing to improve our environmental controls, which is a great win-win because it's actually oftentimes about using less, not more to get a better result, which, which we always love. Um, again, you know, uh, bringing in new features like, 
like scales on plants so that we can specifically measure um, as the plant uses the, the water that we've given it so that we never are irrigating a plant that doesn't need to be irrigated. Uh, we can do that by weight sometimes, which is cool. Uh, automatic measurement of uh, pH and EC uh, that feeds right back into the computer so that it can make uh, real-time adjustments. Again, uh, to, to use less, you know, never let's say never use more than you need because that's wasteful on all those categories. It makes product more expensive, makes our margins worse, worse for the environment. So, you know, lots, lots of really cool stuff uh, leveraging technology right now that are being fed into the funnel. And I think over, you know, 2021, we're going to see the results of a lot of that. And it's, a, it's again, I'm, I'm confident it's going to be a real boost to that triple bottom line approach that we take. Very nice. Yeah, no, I think it's great to see all of the innovations that are starting to happen within cannabis. You know, as the veil continues to lift a little more and a little more and a little more, you get other companies that start to become interested in the cannabis industry, and then you start to see more innovations and technology upgrades come along. So it, it's really reassuring, I think, to kind of see things advancing and, and moving along so quickly. And, you know, you mentioned earlier how nice it is, too, that now that the cannabis industry is is moving forward on a legal level, they're able to kind of provide, like you said, some benefits back to the regular agricultural communities. I mean, how many how many things are we seeing in terms of vertical uh, grows and, and indoor grows for food production that are being enhanced because of the technology that's being developed by the cannabis industry? So it's really, really fascinating, I think, to see how this is all going to play out. And we absolutely appreciate grows like yours and and people like you coming on the show and talking to us about what the options are out there and what kinds of technologies are being used in these facilities and so it's always nice to see things um, working well and and to be able to talk to growers like you that are that are doing things and, and finding success with the technologies and of course being able to blend it with mother nature and use it appropriately uh, it is really exciting to be able to apply you know again right it's it, I pinch myself sometimes that I get to take, um, you know, two of the things that I love, cannabis and technology, and uh, build a business in my, you know, backyard of Santa Barbara, California, on the beautiful coast in my hometown. Uh, it's just, you know, it's, it's kind of incredible to be able to put all those things together. And uh, lots of hard work, but I uh, feel really lucky to have the opportunity to uh, work on solving the problems in front of us. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's the best part of the cannabis industry is being able to, to, uh, you know, combine those things, those passions that we have. And, and I'm like you, I had a passion for technology before I became a journalist. And it just so happened that I fell into the cannabis industry and, and found a way to, to use that technology and use the experience that I had in the past, in a past life and uh, apply them to this career. And now I'm like you, I get to pinch myself every day. <laughs> well, Grant, it's been absolutely phenomenal having you here on the show. And we, we so appreciate um, having you here and talking about your facility. And maybe we'll get to check back in with you here and you know, maybe in a few months and see what kinds of new things are going on at the Glasshouse Group. Yeah, please. And thanks for having us. It was great to be here. Um, I appreciate it. Appreciate your guys' show and uh, love to come back anytime. And if you're ever uh, in California, come by and, uh, and see it in person. The door's always open.